thank you for joining us again for Bible study. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have been studying every book of the Bible. Many months ago, we started with from Genesis. And believe it or not, we are now at the book of 1 Corinthians. We're getting close towards the end of the Bible. Thank you for studying with me. Thank you for your willingness to learn the Word of God. My prayer today is that something will be said or something will be done that will increase your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to studying any book of the Bible, or let me say any book at all, there are some tricks to understanding the book. The first thing you want to find out is who in the world wrote the book. The author is very important. If you know something about the author, you can have a pretty good picture of what to expect in his writing. Also, you need to know to whom is the book written to. It's very, very important that you know that because if you know who the book is addressed, then you can have an appreciation of what the book is about. Say, for example, there are some books that are written just to the Native Americans. So once you pick that, or, or maybe the book is written to the blacks, or to the whites, or, or to the Christians, or whatever. So it's important you know to whom the book is written. And finally, you do want to know why the book is written. People don't just pick pen and paper and start to write gibberish. There's always a reason why the author is writing a book. When it comes to the book of Corinth, it's actually a letter that is now turned into a book. When Paul was writing, he didn't have a book in mind. He was writing a letter. So there were some things going on in Corinth and he's basically responding to those questions that was posed to him. Before we go further, let's talk a little bit about the author of the book. It's always good to do a background check about the author of any book. It will give you a good picture of what to expect. If you want to know a little about Apostle Paul, let me encourage you to read the book of Acts, chapter 9. Uh, you're going to find out basically Paul was a Judaizer. He was a Pharisee. He was a brilliant mind, a scholar. And he hates Christian. But someday the Lord comforted him. And so he became a Christian himself. So the people he used to hate, he's now one of them. And so when he got comforted, he began to travel to different cities to preach the gospel and also to plant churches. So 
in fact, according to record, he actually planted several churches. And then he wrote letters to those churches. So as a result, he wrote 13 letters, a, a total of 13 letters. And one of those letters is what we're talking about today because it was written to the church that he planted in the city of Corinth, all right? So if you need to do all those background checks. By the way, talking about background check, if I may take a side journey, it's always good to do background check on anybody that you're trying to deal with. If you're a church, you're looking for a pastor, don't just hire somebody because he looks good or he had jerry curl dripping everywhere. <laughs> Don't hire somebody because he's eloquent and all that. Do some background check on the brother. By the way, that goes not just for the church. For young ladies, you're looking for a husband, you better do some background check. <laughs> because you're gonna be spending the rest of your life with this person. And this is true also for men. If you're trying to marry a young lady, it's good to, to, to check the background so that you know exactly what you're getting into. I joke a lot, but I'm really serious about that. See, I'm a professor in a college setting, and I'm also a dean and vice president in that, in that college. So I have to be involved in hiring and firing of people. When it comes to hiring people, guess what we do? We do a background check on every potential candidate for employment. Where if we are wise enough to do a background check on just an employee, why will you not do a background check on somebody you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Hello? <laughs> so some of these things are common sense. So check him out if you, if you want to marry him. Or check her out if you want to marry her. Or whatever. If you want to hire him as your pastor or hire her as your pastor, do some background check. What I've just shared with you briefly now is the background check that was done on Apostle Paul. So now we know a little about him. Okay, then I told you he wrote this book or he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. It's also good for you to know a little bit about the city of Corinth before you can address the church at Corinth. Corinth is like a city, just like we have Calfax, we have Alexandria, we have Pineville, Dry Prawn, Lecamp, whatever. Corinth was a city. The only difference is that Corinth was a much bigger city than the ones I've just mentioned to you. Corinth was also a seaport. That means it's a city that is close to a big pool of water, an ocean, or a sea. So that means there's a lot of commerce. So Corinth is not just a big city. Corinth is booming economically. 
There is a lot of business going on. So a lot of people come to live in Corinth. Also, you need to know about the culture of Corinth. That city is wild. Uh, they have a lot of things going on culturally. They have temples for, for some pagan gods. They have a lot of sex problems. They have a lot of violence. Kind of, you know, I'm having a little, <laughs> a little flashback. It looks like we're talking about some of our cities today, isn't it? <laughs> you see, now you see why we need to study. Corinth was like Las Vegas of their day. Anything go. They, they do a lot of gambling. There's a lot of prostitution. There's a lot of drinking, partying. I mean, you can go on and on. That's what's going on in the city of Corinth. Then Apostle Paul came to this city with all those drama going on. He founded a church. That's why we have what we call the church at the city of Corinth. All right? Now you're getting it. So why on earth did Paul write a letter to this city? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what's going on. Paul will plant the, the church and then move to another city. So after Paul had left them, they began to creep in some problems. Part of the problems that was going on was having to do with sex problem in the church. They were having popularity issues. I mean, people were trying to decide who they're going to follow. Are you going to follow Peter? Are you going to follow Paul? Who is the better preacher? Is it Apollo? All kinds of mess was going on in the they were having marriage problem. I mean, it's amazing how relevant the Bible is. The more I talk about this, like I'm talking about the churches today. That was all that was going on. So they sent a letter to Paul. And they were asking him about each of these questions. So the book of Corinth of 1 Corinthians is Paul's response to their question. Paul trying to address the problem. Now you get it. Now before I begin to deal with what Paul wrote, let me point out something that I like about Paul as a pastor because he's my mentor. Paul is the kind of apostle that don't start with negative things. If you see any of his starting letters, he always stand, start with thanksgiving. I thank my God for this. He, he thank God for a lot of good things that he see in the people that he's writing. Why am I saying that? Maybe you're a pastor listening to me. Don't be always mean and hard on your congregation. Every human being has some good in them. Learn from Apostle Paul. He always starts with positive things. He will commend the congregation he's writing to. 
He will thank God for them. He will greet them. You say, how is mother so so and so? How is sister so so and so? How is brother Baba? I mean, who would not want to read a letter like that? So when you preach your sermon, don't just start with hellfire. (laughs) All of us, we are under construction, you know. None of us is prophet, not even the preacher. So be kind and be gentle. You'll be amazed how much you can accomplish from people if you simply love them. That does not mean you tolerate mess. That does not mean you condone sin. No, Paul is going to address all those concerns, but he didn't start off with negativity. He didn't start off with banging. In fact, later on, you're going to find out how Paul said, don't let me come back with, with some whip. Because you, you push me into the fire, I'll whoop your behind. Yeah, it's in that book. <laughs> but my point to you is that he did not start out being negative. He started out with words of greetings. He started out with words of thanksgiving. Then he talked about encouragement. He encouraged them to continue to be Christian. He encouraged them to continue to live right. He encouraged them to continue to love one another. What a beautiful way to start a letter. Then he began to address each of the problems. So let's try to address those problems because they are relevant to our own life today. The first thing he addressed is what I call the need to follow Christ. The church there, they were having problems. Many of them say, I'd rather listen to Paul preach to me. Some of them say, no, I'd rather listen to Peter. Some of them say, no, I'd rather listen to Apollo. And Paul showed up and said, what a mess. Who cares? This is not about popularity thing. It's not about the preacher. We are here because of Jesus. I think that's a message that's important for our churches today. Have you noticed that if you have an event in town, the first question people will ask you, who's going to be preaching? And when you tell them, you say, okay, Keisha is going to be preaching. Oh, I ain't going. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't like it. You say, okay, uh, Conte is going to preach. No, I don't like Conte. I ain't going. <laughs> you see, we missed it. It's not about those individuals. It's not about Benny Hinn. It's not about Billy Graham. It's not about Joyce Meyer. It's not about T.D. James. It's not about Crevlo Dollar. It's not about Joshua Dara or anybody. When you go to church, be sure that you go because of Jesus. When you serve God, be sure you serve God because of Jesus Christ. Don't serve God because of me. I'm amazed how many people will do things in the church just to please the preacher. The preacher need God just like you do. Focus on God. Paul was so upset with them. What's wrong with you guys? 
even though Paul was one of the people that they idolized. But he said, no, it's not about me, it's not about man, it's not about any woman. You better be serving God because of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage all of you under the sound of my voice. Let's pick up the same wisdom. Don't serve God for sure for fashion. Don't go to a church because of the preacher. Don't say my denomination is better than your denomination. It's not about being Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or Pentecostals or whatever. Church of God in Christ, Christ of God in church, first Baptist, second Baptist, 43 Baptists. Goodness gracious. <laughs> We're just all tripping. This should be about Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. The next issue that Paul addressed is lawsuit. The people in the church were suing each other. So Paul said, what kind of mess is this? How are you going to say this person is your brother or this person is your sister? Then you turn around and sue his behind. <laughs> How are you going to sing Kumbaya with me on Sunday? And sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And then on Monday morning, you file a lawsuit against me. That's the same kind of mess that's going on in our churches today. You'll be amazed how mean and hateful Christians are to each other. I'm, I'm always tickled. Husband and wife serving God in the same church. Then they go after each other and they fight each other. They fight as if they want to destroy the other person. They want to take everything in God or mess up. What kind of craziness is that? Paul said, man, if you call me your brother or your sister, why are you sweet each other? Paul said, cut that up. If a brother wrong you, have you ever thought about calling him and sitting down together and see if you can resolve your differences? If your spouse got on your nerve, have you ever thought about having a peace conference, sitting down together, say, baby, I'm sorry, can we work things out? How can I make it up to you? And you learn to forgive one another because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul made it clear, no, cut off all this lawsuit mess. Of course, I got to confess because I'm a lawyer where people don't sue. <laughs> we don't make money. But you know, Christians are not supposed to be doing that with one another. They're the people in the world. They, 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 they fight. They're cutthroat. And they hire lawyers. We, we take their money, you know. We sure do. <laughs> but when it comes to children of God, no, you're not supposed to be seeing one another. Another problem that Paul addressed in this letter is this thing called 
meat to idols. Like, you know, you eat food and you have some meat in it. So there are some animals that were used as sacrifice to pagan gods. And after they use those, those animals as sacrifice, they take the meat to the market and they're selling it. Then the problem here is that some Christians go and buy those meat because they taste good. Mmm, they taste good. <laughs> so they go and buy the meat. So the question is, should Christians be eating meat that were offered to idols? What do you think? Paul said, no, 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 no. You see, it's not the meat. The meat is not the problem. But the perception is that you're doing the same thing that the worldly people are doing. Some of the Christians in Corinth say, come on, preacher. It's just meat. It's just for food. We're not pagans like them. I mean, they used the, the, the blood for sacrifice. The meat is now in the market for consumption. That shouldn't make or break you as a Christian. Paul said, no. Paul said to them, if eating meat will offend my brother, even though I have a right to eat meat, but I will not do it. So in other words, it's not just about whether the meat tastes good or not. It's about how people perceive you. Let me break it home. You know there are nightclubs in the neighborhood. You're looking at me and say, Huh, I didn't know that you lying. <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> we are all the places. Are. The question is, should Christian go out in those places and hang out? Should Christian go to the casino and hang out? Should Christian be at the nightclub and hang out? Should Christian be hanging out at the liquor store? Should Christian be hanging out with gangs? Should Christian be hanging out with drug dealers? You say, but hey, those are my cousins. Well, if you say you are truly a Christian, you need to understand, as Paul tried to explain, you are in this world, but you're not of this world. So when it comes to eating meat that were offered to idols, Paul said, no, no, no. Are you getting it? All right. Another issue that he addressed is the question of sex. I bet you'd like for me to talk about this one. <laughs> you see, here's what was going on in Corinth. Right inside the church, there was a gentleman that was sleeping with his stepmother. Inside the church. Then they have a lot of members who will go come to church on Sunday. They worship God. But then during the week, there are pagan Greek uh, temples where there are prostitutes. And anybody in the community, you can go there, pay the prostitute, sleep with them, and, and go home or something like that. So 
some of the people in the church, they will come to church, all right, but during the week, they go to these uh, pagan temples and, and hang out with prostitutes and pay. So many Christian feels that shouldn't affect whether or not you're a Christian. That is, uh, when you're a Christian or not, that's, uh, that's between you and God. But what you do out there, that's between you and the prostitute. That, why are we mixing this thing with Christianity? So that was the issue before Paul. What do you think Paul will say about that? <laughs> you see, you can figure these things out. Paul said, come on now. Don't you guys know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So you cannot say, I believe God in my heart, but what I do with my body, that's nobody's business. No, Paul said, when you follow Christ, it's not just a hard thing. It ought to be reflected in every area of your life. Wow, that will preach in any church today, from the pulpit to the pews. There are many things, even I have to learn from that experience. There are people who say, yeah, it's okay if I curse. That don't mean I don't love God. It's just, it's just that. I'm just, or some people will say they will use the N word, you know? Mm-hmm. You never heard that? <laughs> they will say, oh, but that's, that's just between us, black and black. As long as the other race don't say, no, Paul is saying, look, man, when you're a Christian, your body is the house of God. Your body is the temple of God. That don't mean you can use your body any kind of way. You can say, I'm just going to sleep with anybody I want. That's none of the preacher's business. That's none of the church folks. And I wish they'd get out of my business. <laughs> Some say, I can be a Christian, be a drunk, I'll drink whenever I want to. It's my body, it's my mouth. Well, that's the problem. It's your mouth. <laughs> Folks will be shooting drugs. And they profess to be Christian. They'll go to church and do the sign or whatever. <laughs> and then they go home, they shoot in their arms. And how are you going to be a Christian and be a crackhead? For God's sake, <laughs> don't make no sense. So Paul said, come on, we have to harmonize what is cooking in your spirit with the kind of lifestyle you're living. So Paul said, look, don't let me come up there and whoop you behind. Let's cut off all this nonsense. You told me you're a Christian. You told me you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Do you see me doing that? Am I a crackhead? So Paul was just trying to get the attention. So come on, people, let's cut this up. Another thing that Paul addressed is having to do with unity within the church. The church has become so disunited. 
Sounds like the church today, isn't it? Folks be singing together in the choir, same choir, but they don't talk to each other. Folks be praying together in the same church, but they hate each other's guts. Some husband and wife couples, they will fight at home and come to church and shout hallelujah. <laughs> Ain't that something? It's amazing how much God have to put up with. Paul is saying, what kind of mess is this? You'd be amazed how many preachers, they all profess to be preaching for God, but they don't talk to each other. They literally hate each other. Preachers in this town that won't talk to each other. How are you going to be serving the same God, but you're here, you're acting like, you know, Paul said, what kind of mess is it? Why is it that the churches don't get along? Why is it that the people in the city council don't get along? Why is it that denominations don't get along? Some people say, because we're Baptists, we're, we're better. Or we're Methodists, we're better. Or because we're Pentecostal, we're better. Paul said, we are one body. Can you, don't you read the memo? Don't you get it? I preach this to you all. We are one body with many members. Let's all get along. Let's love each other. Let's work together. And God will be pleased. We can use some of that teaching today. Another thing Paul addressed is the question of gifts. People have gifts in the church. Some people can sing, some people can preach, some people can dance, some people. So we have all these gifts, gift of faith, gift of miracle, gift of healing, gift of teaching, gift of wisdom. I mean, he just, he went through all the gifts. Spiritual gifts. You might be saying, so what's the problem? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is that these people who have the gifts begin to think they're better than the others. You ever been to church lately? Folks who sing good, they think they're more closer to God than those who don't know how to sing. Folks who are eloquent, they go around wearing a little big cross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people just be tripping. <laughs> just because you, you are eloquent, that don't mean you're more holy than somebody else. Just because you can sing a solo, that don't mean you're better than those who sing background. People are using their gift to exert power over the others. Again, what do you think Paul will say about that? <laughs> Paul, Paul is just shaking his head. Come on, people. What am I missing? Just because you're good at this, you're a good drummer, that don't mean you're better than people that play guitar. 
Just because you play keyboard, that don't mean you're better than those who play the maracas or whatever you do. So Paul is trying to level the playing field and say, look, let's stop that mess. The same thing is true because he also talked about their worship. In the worship of the church at Corinth, there were charismatic people, people who are emotional. When they start worshiping, when they start praying, I mean, the whole building be moving, you know, and they begin to speak in tongue. They begin to speak in tongue. So, but there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongue. I thank God that I speak in tongue. There's nothing wrong in, in praying, heart-moving prayer that will shake the foundation. There's nothing wrong with all that. But it is wrong when you begin to think just because you speak in tongue that makes you a better Christian than those who does not speak in tongue. Just because you can pray and shake the foundation, that does not mean you're a better preacher than those who pray quietly. Paul is just trying to teach the people, stop letting the flesh get in the way. I mean, come on. You know what, what I can tell you before I close? The problem at the, at the church at Corinth is a reflection of the problem in the city of Corinth. Remember what I told you about Corinth as a city? A lot of paganism, a lot of idol worship, a lot of sex, a lot of violence, a lot of gambling. I told you it's like our own Las Vegas today. But you don't have to go to Las Vegas to see a lot of this. Many of the things that is creeping in the church of Corinth is creeping in in our churches today right here in central Louisiana. It don't matter whether you're white or black, call yourself Korean church, white church, black church. If you look closely in many churches today, the influence of the world is creeping in. So I want to encourage you, if there's something that we all can learn from the first book of Corinthians, let's learn the fact that our body is the temple of God. Let's learn the fact that you and I, we are not better than somebody else. Let's learn the fact that we don't need to be hateful and angry and fighting each other. Husband not getting along with wife. Wife getting on everybody's nerve in the house. We need to cut off all this. Can we all get along? We need to begin to pursue unity in the body of Christ. Start with your house. Pursue unity among the spouse. Unity with your children. Let's, let's spread that to the churches. Let our church live together in unity. Let's spread it to the community. Let our city live together in unity. Let's spread. You know the Bible says a house divided against itself, the house will not stand. Let's pursue unity. 
and let's make this world a better place. Paul ended up the book of Corinth, chapter 15. He said, look, here's the conclusion of the matter. Let me talk to you about resurrection. Because some of them had issue, even with resurrection. Some of them just believe, no, it doesn't make sense. That somebody died and then he got back up on the third day to come on. Don't call me stupid. That's just, that's just not true. So they want to believe in Christ, but they don't want to buy into this story of resurrection. Because it just don't add up to them. Because they live in a big city, they think in logical manner, two plus two, God will be four, and if it's not four, they're not buying it. So the story of resurrection that the preachers told them, they don't believe. So this time, Paul is trying to tell them, look folks, let's get one clear thing clear. If there's no resurrection, all what you believe is a waste. He is trying to let them know our whole faith in Christ is rested on this idea of resurrection. Not only is it true, it is critical for our Christian faith. And Paul, being a lawyer himself, he showed them many proof. He said, don't you all know this person saw him rose up? That person met with him after he got up. He sat down with these many people. He just, he just laid out all the evidence. And then he told them, but for resurrection, you have no faith. If there's no resurrection, we're not different from other religion. We're not different from the Hindus or the pagans or the, or the, uh, or the Mohammedans or whatever. What separates us from other religion is that our God came to this planet Earth, died for our sins, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. That's our hope. If we don't have that, we are people with no hope. Our hope is that when we die, someday also, we will also be resurrected. So when a loved one dies, that's not the ending. We're going to see each other again because of resurrection. What a way to end the book. Let me encourage you, my friend. If you're listening to me today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, please consider him. Seriously consider him. You need God in your life. I need God too. In fact, the Bible says without him, we can do absolutely nothing. And if you already accepted him as your savior, then let's begin to embrace this lifestyle that Paul was preaching about. The lifestyle of unity. The lifestyle of pure living, the laughter of, of not suing one another, not hating one another, 
not eating food that are offered to idols, not just allowing our body to be used any kind of way. Think about this thing. And if you need prayer today, my friend, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number. There are ministers of the gospel waiting and ready to pray with you. Invite Jesus to come into your heart. If you like me, you've backslided, and you, you find yourself messing up in one of these areas we talked about. I've been there, you know. Guess what you need to do? Ask God to forgive you. Have a fresh start in the Lord. I did just that. I'm proud of my own self for doing that. I said, Lord, I'm true. We're just acting a fool. Lord, I'm through with this mess. And I said, Lord, like the prodigal son, I came to myself. And I came back to Jesus. And you know what is so good about Jesus Christ? He will not condemn you. He will welcome you back home with open arms. That's what I want you to consider doing today. If you need prayer, call, call that number. And somebody will pray with you. And I'm here cheering for you also. I want you to be a good man. I want you to be a good woman a vessel of honor that God can use so that when you pray, even the devil will run away from you. Think about it. And may God bless you until we meet again. Amen.